You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 88. Finally, we'll get into the Razors. You know what I'm talking about. Not the Razors that are typically advertised on podcasts, mind you. There are a lot of Razors advertised on podcasts. You notice that? Yeah, I, I, I almost mentioned a few, but uh, I, I'm going to yeah. make a conscious effort we're, not to give anyone unpaid advertising here. No, we're not talking <laughs> about those kind of Razors today. We're talking about the mathematical and philosophical Razors, specifically Occam's Razor, and its relationship to intelligence, human intelligence, machine intelligence. I've been thinking about AI for a long time, so I have a lot of good stuff to say about this. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. You have reached another Local Maximum. Great response from last week's episode on deep learning. All five free eBooks for deep learning with structured data by Mark Ryan have been claimed. Actually, you guys, there is a big appetite for this kind of content among the local maximum listenership. Uh, But if there is more interest, I'll see what I can do. Uh, But you can, of course, still get a physical book at a significant discount at Manning Publishing with code PODLOCALMAX19. Here's another big milestone for the local maximum. I love noting these 50,000 total downloads we reached uh, over this week. It was just last year, I believe. Last year, pretty much at exactly around this time where we reached 10,000 total downloads. So this is growing fast, uh, and um, I'm very excited about it, and I'm glad that you guys uh, like the show. A couple notes about today's episode, which is fantastic, by the way. You're going to learn so much. But we try to be as accurate as possible, and I love when you call us out on certain things. But one situation here I need to preempt We complain about the fact that it's already Halloween and pumpkin spice latte season just way too early, as (laughs) I know we're not the first ones. You know, that's been noted by like millions of people over the last 20 years. I know, I know. But I realize that the episode is going to be released on October 14th. And that's, you know, our discussion was in mid-September. So I think we were right to talk about this in mid-September. But October 14th, in my humble opinion, I think that is... Perfectly reasonable for Halloween season. Again, that's my personal opinion. I just went to the Bayville Scream Park out on Long Island over the weekend. Scary ghost house performers in all six rides. Even scarier Long Islanders who are also uh, there. You know, you, you kind of hear them as you're going through. You're kind of worried about the ghost behind you, and you're kind of worried about the person in front of you being like, I can't see in here. It's too dark. But anyway, uh, it was a lot of fun. None of these are ads, by the way. This is just my life. Anyway, uh, enjoy the following discussion of this week's concept and news stories it applies to. All right. Well, with that said, let's get on to the concept of the week that I want to share with everyone. And this week's concept is Occam's Razor. Have you heard of Occam's Razor before? Uh, I have indeed. Yes, that's a good one. Uh, If you haven't heard it, it's probably something that you've heard of. Like you've heard some people say Occam's Razor, but you haven't uh, for for a lot of people out there, but you don't really know what it means. Um, Either that or you know what it means and just don't know the name of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, too. Essentially, if I could uh, describe it really uh, succinctly, it means that simpler explanations are more likely than complex explanations. And you might think, well, that's an arbitrary distinction, Um, uh, but it turns out to work in a large variety of situations. It does have a relationship to Bayesian statistics and artificial intelligence that's really, really important. Um, In fact, I wrote about this. I went back into a blog post that I wrote 
when I was an intern at the Columbia Ed Lab way back in 2010. Um, and I, and oh my God, there are so many grammatical errors in my blog post. <laughs> I was so, I am so embarrassed. Um, but um, who knows what, what I'll see when I go back to some of my show notes pages in 10 years from now. Um, but essentially, the way that people and machines learn to generalize from data, to generalize concepts, is that we don't just want to memorize some complicated rule that like every single thing is different. Uh, we want to find simple rules that we can then use uh, at a future time in our life. And it turns out that this drive to find simpler explanation for things is the way that we generalize concepts. Um, I think we did a, a show earlier on overfitting and underfitting. Uh, you might remember that one. We talk about yep. how like, uh, you know, toddlers might uh, overfit in certain situations. Um, but yeah, Occam's razor is kind of how we kind of have a built-in Occam's razor. Uh, the, a razor philosophically is a way to like remove certain um, certain explanations on something. So there are other razors, which we'll get to in a bit. But uh, it's it's really the way that we generalize concepts, which really drives uh, learning and really drives intelligence. And the relationship to Bayesian statistics is that in Bayesian in, in, in Bayesian inference, as we've learned, you know. You have to come up with a whole bunch of hypotheses before you've seen the data, and then you also have to rate each one before you've seen the data on how likely they are. And that process of rating can be done using Occam's razor. Well, these are simpler and these are more complex, so therefore um, this is how we'll come up with our priors. And that's uh, that's Occam's razor in a nutshell, Aaron. Yeah, there's, there's a... Um... A classic story that I, I like to think of as a way to apply this, which uh, I, I didn't realize until I just looked it up, but it actually comes from Carl Sagan. Uh, it's it's the story of the dragon in my garage, uh, where someone tells you, oh, there's a dragon in my garage. And and, and uh, you say, oh, great, let's go take a look at it. And you open up the garage and you don't see anything. And it says, oh, I forgot to tell you, it's an invisible dragon. Uh, and so you you successively bring up more ways that you can test to see if there's actually a dragon there. And each time you do, they bring up another uh, kind of a caveat for why that won't work. What what makes this dragon a special case? Mm. Uh, and and so at the end of the discussion, you end up with you know lines and lines and lines of special cases about this dragon that make it essentially impossible to to detect. Uh, and so uh, applying Occam's razor there would would be to look at it and say, well, which is more likely a more likely explanation for the fact that I can't see a dragon in the garage? Is it that it's an invisible dragon that can't interact with physical objects and you know, can't be heard, can't be smelled, can't, you know, can't, can't be, can't be sensed in any, any way that we're capable of, or is it more likely, is it a simpler explanation that there's not actually a dragon there? Yeah, that's actually a very good uh, story to, to give on this one. I, I wasn't aware yeah, of that. It's, 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 it's uh, tempting to take Occam's razor in the direction of conspiracy theories, but depending yeah. on how you present the question, the, that, that could be counter to what we're trying to, uh, to introduce here, because there, there are a lot of things that you, you might be able to make a convincing argument that, well, yeah, uh, that, that they faked it or, or that it's a conspiracy is a simpler explanation right. than what actually happened. So that's interesting that sometimes the conspiracy theory is the simpler explanation, and sometimes the conspiracy theory is the more complex explanation. Like, I really can't stand these 9-11 truthers, and I, <laughs> I, I, I don't – I'm going to get a lot <laughs> – okay, now I'm going to get a lot of uh, – a lot now of mail, but yes, 
They're like, well, 9-11 was an inside job, but not only did they have to fly the planes into the buildings, but then they had to separately blow them up. It's like, what? Uh, anyway, um, I don't want to get into the whole... Uh, yeah, it's it's Occam's razor is not for proving that something is impossible, but it's for determining what the most likely explanation. Yeah, and oftentimes, is. And, and simpler is is all things equal more likely. Yeah, yeah. The the fewer the the less disbelief you have to suspend. Right. Uh, then then the more likely that that's that's the actual case. A couple important questions around that because we do know that from in real life, uh, simpler explanations are more likely to be correct, but they're not always correct. Sometimes the complex explanation is correct. So the first question I ask, or that I, that's kind of a good thought experiment for people listening to the show uh, that'll make you smarter, is one, can simpler models and explanations be preferable even if they are less accurate? So in this case, you have a situation where, no, actually the more complex explanation is more accurate, but we still want to use the simpler explanation because there is a additional cost to complexity uh, that uh, the additional accuracy doesn't make up for. Yeah, and, and the, the first one that pops to mind when you mention that is uh, in, in terms of uh, equations of motion. Right. Uh, that that if, if I want to predict the orbit of, of a planet or a satellite, uh, I can use Newtonian mechanics and get a, a damn good answer to that. But technically, we know that that is not the most accurate approach that uh, if I use Einstein's equations, I will get a more a more precise, more accurate result. Uh, but it does require a much more complex understanding, uh, and I I am not a, uh, a you know an, an astrophysicist, so I can't tell you what the exact trade off there is in terms of the complexity for the the uh, the increased accuracy. Uh, but but and. I also believe that I think something has superseded uh, Einstein's equations there as well. So they're they're continuing, kind of layers of of additional uh, complexity there that you can go down that only really matter in a, a subset of cases. Uh, yeah. So if, if if your use case doesn't delve to that level of precision, then you don't necessarily need to burn the resources to to use the the most correct approach. Right. And and it's why things like uh, you know estimates uh, back of the envelope calculations and, and uh, fer Fermi estimation are super useful tools, even though they're unlikely to give you a quote unquote correct answer. What's Fermi estimation? Um, so I, I may be I'm misusing sorry. the term there. I, I, you I know people that there are from Fermi MIT make use like, these big words that uh, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the classic ones is uh, how many, uh, how many pizzas are delivered on uh, you know a, a, a Sunday night in Chicago? Okay, and and so you can you can make some educated estimates and come up with a, a reasonable number that you know, is probably within an order of magnitude or two. But nobody gotcha. expects you without actually going and doing some heavy research to come up with the correct number. Right, because you don't need the correct number at that particular yeah. time. Okay, yeah, got it. We do that all the time. You you need to know whether it's you know to to the to the power of five or to the power of six because yeah. that's going to affect you know maybe whether you want to short the the mozzarella cheese market yeah. i mean that's similar that reminds me to my of a couple weeks ago with my argument on how much energy uh the bitcoin network is going to take up um right I, you, if you can make a determination that these these two values are several orders of magnitude apart then then the precise calculation no longer becomes important right you've you've, you've proven your point without digging 
so far into the details that you get lost in the weeds. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then the fourth point that I want to make when it comes to Occam razors is an important question is when do you want to do go more complex? Because some there are some cases where more complex models will lead to uh, better results. For example, um, if I, again, with the laws of motion, um, I should come up with a more machine learning oriented one. Or, But <laughs> still like, okay, when you have a falling object, right, you, you can use the laws of gravity to estimate how f- fast it will fall and what path it will take, right? But you can also include uh, air friction um, and that probably has a large effect on that. And there doesn't seem to be much of a downside in including air friction. Uh, Allow me a brief aside. Yeah. Uh, so th- this has become one of my pet peeves. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my daughter uh, in her preschool, they sometimes do quote unquote science experiments with the class. Oh God, are you and coming in for, with in your MIT degree drop... and telling them how wrong they are? <laughs> they, they drop two objects yeah. uh, and, and see which one hits the floor first. Yeah. Uh, and, which is fine, but then the the, the well-meaning uh, teachers give an explanation, uh, and they say, "Oh, that one fell faster because it's heavy." Oh no, 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 <laughs> no! It's because the leaf had more, much more air resistance than the rock. But but I, I don't want to be that person that comes in and tries to you know I- explain this to a, a bunch of three and four year olds and and gets real red in the face about it. <laughs> It's okay. Every time I see that, I I, I just have to vent a little bit and then move on with my life. (laughs) It's okay for three and four-year-olds to have some outdated views on (laughs) physics. It really is. Uh, So here's another example. It's it's not laws of motion. Uh, It's not machine learning either. But uh, when when we learned about uh, atoms, uh, we learned a model of the atom, the the Bohr model. Yeah. named after Niels Bohr, which has, you know, you have a nucleus and then you have uh, an inner ring and then another ring and then another ring. And each ring has a different number of electrons on it. Uh, and and that is one model. It, I, I guess technically you could say it is a disproved model, but it's still used because it's kind of the best entry level way of teaching that concept. Right. Um, if you get deeper into it, then then it turns out that, well, these aren't really rings so much as they're electron clouds. And then you have to start talking about wave functions and probability. Oh, we did that. And yeah, I, I could. Yeah, I, that's 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 the college yeah. level explanation yeah. for it, as opposed to kind of the, the middle high school level. explanation. And even that explanation uh, doesn't. It was, yeah, it was and, tough and, for me and to talk about. Actually, you're going to become a, a, you know, a, a, a physicist or a or a, a solid state chemist. Then you can get into the 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 real math behind it, uh, which which is even more complicated, uh, and you know starts butting up against quantum theory and stuff. So I want to use an example now from you know from Foursquare, my work uh, working on ad attribution um, in causality. You know, um, because if there are a lot of confounders, like okay, what makes someone likely to go to Starbucks? And you know, you want to take into account their age. You want to take into account their gender. You want to take into account you know, what city they live in and all of that stuff. Is it pumpkin spice latte season? Yes. Is it pump- pumpkin spice latte season, which apparently now it very much is. It uh, gets earlier and I mean, earlier. We're, we're like 50% into it yeah, by now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it was even in late August now we're starting to get uh, <laughs> pumpkin spice latte. Like Ho- Holiday creep is not constrained to Christmas. No, no. Um, nope. 
late August with the I thought there was back to school season but now it's all the same back to school <laughs> yep. season already includes Halloween it already includes pumpkin spice latte it already give them a few weeks to start school I, I think the only one that's immune to this is New Year's yes no, nobody starts celebrating New Year's early it's, it's got Christmas there is a, a, a pretty hard buffer yeah that's true that's true anyway we, we we've deviated way off course sorry we were talking about <laughs> the likelihood of someone going to Starbucks Right. Well, it does, the season does matter. The timing does matter. And you really do want to uh, uh, try to include all of the possible uh, confounding variables that could cause them to go other than the ad. Um, because, first of all, these models are very sensitive to, you know, it's not order of magnitude models. It's like you want to check if someone is 5% more likely to go now. And so you have to be very precise. Um, and also, um, yeah, I, you know, it stands to reason that including these variables are uh, are important and can make your model better. Um, but, so long. But we as... also want to be wary of of overfitting in that. Yes. Case, cause, yes. Because more precise doesn't necessarily mean more accurate. You mean more? Yeah, and more more variables doesn't mean more accurate too. So you still yeah. need to have uh, you know regularization, which means okay. I... For for example, like let's suppose there's only like one. There's only one man in the panel, and I'm trying to figure out how gender affects whether going to uh, you know going to Starbucks, and that man happened to go. Uh, I'm not then going to over conclude that okay, every every man is a hundred percent likely to go, <laughs> you know, just by you know it would. It, I'm not going to put the weight of that variable to a positive infinity in a logistic I, regression. So that's why you need something to, you could say, well, we could have all these variables, but we're going to prevent them from getting too large. And that's, that's our version of Occam's razor here. Yeah. On, on the topic of overfitting, I was, I was about to say, well, everybody has the experience of doing this, but, but maybe, maybe not everybody, but I, I know you and I have certainly done this where you're plotting something in, uh, uh, in Excel and you've got a bunch of data points and you go to put in like a, a trend line and you can put in a, a, a polynomial trend line and you can crank up the number of, of polynomials involved. And so you can uh, get- Aaron, the, I uh, wasn't going to mention polynomials <laughs> in this podcast. But I was, I've been you, trying to cut down on the mention of polynomials. Every single data yeah, point. Yeah. Uh, but, but it also is just a, like a huge sine wave going up and down and up and down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it has- pretty much zero predictive power other than you've come up with a very complicated equation to hit these exact data points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in that case, a straight line would be better or uh, what would be better yet is kind of a, a linear, like like a uh, straight line going through your data, but kind of adjusting it, like making different lines as time goes on. So the line changes. Yeah, well, and, and maybe, maybe that's something we can we can come back to visit in the future. Sure. We, we've talked about uh, predictions and different types of behaviors, but maybe kind of Figuring figuring out what the best predictive model for uh, for for trends is. Yeah, uh, based actually, on some, w without getting too deep into the math, because not everybody, like you said, wants to talk about polynomials. Yeah. And, well, just the data on this podcast uh, downloads to this podcast would be interesting to look at. Oh yeah, we, we've we've certainly dug into that yeah. offline. And I've looked bit. at. Uh, I also included like the length and the um, uh, other var uh, variables as well. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that offline, but maybe we'll add some of this stuff. Uh, okay, so you also added here Hanlon's razor. What is that one? I've never heard of that one before. Yeah, so so I, I don't know if it's technically a corollary to Occam's razor, but it was it was something that popped to mind when we were talking about Occam's razor, uh, and and this is the uh, the the saying um, never 
uh, never attribute attribute to malice that which can be adequately explained by stupidity. Mm. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll frequently, if some so if, if if something bad happens to you, if if someone does something that that really inconveniences you, it's easy to say, oh, that jerk. They did this because they're a terrible human being. You know, they they cut me off in traffic, and but but maybe they're just a bad driver yeah or or maybe they you know they're rushing to the hospital with their pregnant wife that it's it's not necessarily that they're trying to do something to harm you uh there could be plenty of other reasonable explanations so so don't jump to that conclusion to to actually pin someone with you know being being an evil individual or or having nefarious motivations i feel uh, like there's make sure that you can really pin that on them with with some good strong explanation i feel like there's come up with a better there's rationale. something in the human mind uh that we jumps to conclusions like we almost look for people who have bad intentions towards us i don't know if it's something yeah, it's, in human psychology it, it's a particular type of pattern seeking that we're really good at yeah maybe there maybe there's a good reason for that maybe maybe humans evolved in a place where yeah you had to watch out for people who were you know, trying to do something bad to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I, I think, you know, evolutionarily, and, and I'm talking outside of my field of expertise for sure here, but, uh, you know, out, outside of your, your closely knit community, anyone who does something that inconveniences you, does it really matter whether it was intentional or not? If, if they're negatively affecting your, you know, the outcomes of, of your tribe, then, uh, it's, it's in the tribe's best interest to take aggressive action against them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, um, but we sort of are hardwired to think, oh, that was malice, and I don't know if yeah, yeah, well, which which makes it easier to to go down. I guess that so. Path. Yeah. Oh, here's an interesting one then. Uh, so, the death of um, Epstein. I don't remember his first name. Yep. Suicide in jail. Um, Is it Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah. Uh, shoot. I can't believe I forget. <laughs> With the news cycle as it is, this is probably like three days ago. And, well, and, and I don't like, know how closely you've been following this, no. but uh, yes, it was Jeff. there's there's been a lot of MIT scandal associated with that as well, yeah. because uh, we I, I say we, but my alma mater <laughs> has uh, apparently you don't want to say we uh, on this one. Yeah, had, had, had accepted <laughs> uh, quite a bit of money that that was either directly from him or or had been uh, contributions orchestrated by him uh, and, and not only had done so, but that there were people who who openly recognized that we probably shouldn't do this. And so there was a cover up yeah. involved. So there's, there's an ongoing internal investigation yeah. related to that. I will be surprised if there are not more resignations coming out of that than there already have. Been. So anyway, uh, what I want to say was I am not, I have not ruled out that he was assassinated in jail. Um, but I do think that when a story like that comes out, you do have to examine the uh, incompetence, uh, and and the story was, you know, he he killed himself in jail, and he was on suicide watch, or I think he was taken off, and they weren't watching him. Yeah, or well, th this is a case yeah. where where Hanlon's razor uh, kind of directly opposes Occam's razor, yeah. there because what what are the odds that uh, somebody took him off, you know, suicide watch, and all the cameras in that hallway were broken? And I think they said you know, it, they, they weren't they gave broken. Them the bed sheet and there, there, you know, there, there are a bunch of things that had to happen in order yeah. to, to make this possible. I think there which, weren't cameras which seem increasingly unlikely. Yeah. But at the same time, let's not jump to the conclusion that that he was, you know, that, that he was off or assassinated by someone when there is a 
fairly reasonable explanation that that given the conditions he was in, uh, suicide was a, a quote unquote attractive option for him. Right, right. And I also think that there could have been like the idea that the cameras were broken. I don't I actually don't think I have to look at this up, but I think it was reported that they were broken. And then it turned out, no, they just didn't have cameras. So sometimes these things are reported in a way to make it look to make Occam's razor well, it, uh, uh, apply more than it does. That, that, that brings up another, uh, not, not so much a razor, but kind of a rule of, of uh, crisis reporting that I like to stick to, which is that nothing in the first 24 hours can be considered accurate. Yeah. I mean, it, someone may have walked in and spoken to the guard, and the, he said, can you let me through? And the guard said, ID. And he said, no, I'm just going through to kill Jeffrey Epstein. He's like, all right, okay, <laughs> sure. Uh, so, um, Is it possible? Yes. Is it plausible? Eh, <laughs> maybe. Um, okay. Yeah, so a lot of these conspiracies can sometimes flip one way or the other, depending on how you apply these razors. But I think they provide a good... Um, a good kind of framework in which to discuss this stuff. Yeah, they're, they're philosophical tools, and, and none of them on their own is going to uh, definitively drive you to the correct solution, but they're ways of, of well, as, as they say, to, to kind of shave off some of the, you know, prune off some of the less likely paths and to help you dedicate your deductive or, or abductive uh, skills to the more likely uh, branches of, of probability yeah. there. So, all right. So here, this leads into an article, which I sort of, I love this. Uh, I've definitely come to a conclusion here. It's why phones that secretly listen to us is a myth from the BBC. And they ran a controlled experiment um, to determine whether phones actually listen to what's being said uh, in order to run ads. And they found that if you say something in front of the phone, it makes no difference in terms of you know whether they are show an ad for that thing or not but so many people believe that their phones are listening to them because they said i just uh, talked to my friend about getting a new bicycle and i didn't search for bicycle and i didn't you know i uh, the, i didn't do anything else that would tip them off that i would want a bicycle and yet here they are advertising bicycles to me and therefore it must be listening to me for this purpose. Um, and I actually think that there is another explanation for that. Go on. <laughs> Very well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, I think these phones have so much data on us that uh, they can pick up on whether we want a bicycle or not. First of all, they pick up on whether we want a bicycle or not. Um, just based on, well, look at what we do at Foursquare, right? And what the, all these other companies are doing based on where you go. Um, and oftentimes people have uh, clicked on things without noticing. But furthermore, we see so many ads. How many ads do we see online every day? Hundreds. We see hundreds of ads. So if you mention something to someone else, then you'll notice if you see that thing. But you may have seen yes. that scene before and haven't noticed it. I don't know if confirmation bias is the right term there, but it's it's the you know what once like I I recently uh, bought a car and and so a couple of weeks ago I started I kind of narrowed it down to okay I'm looking at this particular brand and all of a sudden I started noticing on the road everywhere that brand of car yeah and it's not like it was actually any more frequent it's just that I was primed to notice it right right and just that explanation kind of explains it perfectly. Um, 
Well, I, I kind of going in a different direction. I, I hope you include the link to this this uh, this BBC article because there's some some charts and graphs in there which are fascinating in that it actually. So I guess they did the 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 silent room and a room with with recorded audio. Yeah. Uh, and it it looks like the silent room actually showed in some cases more data usage. Hmm. Which which is perplexing. I I don't understand what's going on there, but I'd love to see see Should more be, uh, more cool. research into that. Yeah, um, I think that uh, it could be random noise. I don't know. I would look into that because uh, <laughs> that shouldn't be true. Well, the, uh, the the other thing that that's of interest is uh, I'm curious how they measured the amount of data used. Yeah, whether this was self reported from the the phone's internal you know the the phone OS or if they had some sort of external monitoring device that they used. Because you could come up with a uh, a, a kind of uh, dark conspiracy version that not only is the phone listening to you, but then it's falsifying the data usage uh, rates so that you can't detect that it's listening to you. Interesting. Uh, Here's now, where Occam's razor yeah. says probably not, because they would really have to be you know four four or five steps ahead of us to be doing that and covering up all of their tracks like it that. It really would uh, be such a but, pain. But is it impossible? No. No, but it, I think it would really be such a pain uh, for these just knowing mobile development. It would really be a pain to upload audio all the time. It's like streaming video, streaming audio, and uploading yeah, and, well, and, and yeah. so It's like so starting the, the, a call or starting, yeah. A, 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 an argument and a counter-argument. Uh, so I, I guess the counter-argument would be that, that technically uh, Android is open source, yeah. right? So, Think about how so much if data. they were doing this in the OS, somebody should be able to go in and and find that. And right. given that it's open source, it would seem they would be they would be less likely to do that with with the only protection being that well, no one will probably look for this, right? Because eventually someone would find it. Yeah. Uh, the counter-argument would be that there are or I forget whether that was the counter argument or the pro argument. The 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 other argument would be uh, that. Uh, I, I feel like fairly recently there were a bunch of apps that were kicked out of uh, either the Google Play Store or the Apple uh, uh, App Store because uh, they found that they were using permissions and data uh, uh, that they were collecting in an inappropriate fashion and misrepresenting to users how they were using it. So it's it's certainly possible to collect uh, user data that the user doesn't want collected and for it to not be obvious uh, from the get-go. Hmm. And and luckily, some of these these are getting caught eventually by by certain you know researchers and watchdog groups. Yeah. But uh, but if if that's your objective, it becomes an adversarial problem, much like uh, some of the the spam scenarios we've talked about before, uh, or so, or some of the things that that Facebook and Twitter are, are trying to and and uh, and YouTube are trying to combat in the, their comments. So if I uh, wanted to do this, you, you can flood the system. If I really wanted to do this, like listen to people's audio and use it for ads, I wouldn't actually. Uh, upload the audio or stream the audio, what I would do is I would have a program on your mobile phone that listens to the audio and listens for certain words. And I could even pre-define pre which words I'm going to listen to and then report just those words to the server occasionally. So for example, let's say I just pick, I don't know. Uh, well, so if... if Let's yeah. let's go back to the Starbucks example. I might have you to send one bite. Times a day I mention coffee. Yeah. What? Sorry. You you want to know how many times a day I mention coffee? Right. Right. And and when and where and how likely uh, that mention is to lead to a visit to a coffee? Yes, yeah, so that'd shop. be way less data than actually streaming yeah. the audio to the server. Uh, so hmm, now I'm. Uh... <laughs> 
I'm thinking <laughs> no, I don't think I, you know, I think they're like background location. I know how that works very well. They take the permissions on that very well, seriously. And if there's background audio, uh, those, there is no background audio. Like, why would they say, okay, we're going to take background location very seriously. We're going to make each app, uh, you know, uh, give all these permissions that explicitly to give it location permissions, but we're just going to allow apps to listen to your audio without any permissions. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, and, and as a user, uh, you you do have the ability to turn off access to you know the microphone and and like you said, location services to certain apps. Yeah, um, it's it's tough to do that. You know, if if you use the Google Assistant you kind of want the Google Assistant to be able to access all of that stuff to give it you, you know, give you maximum convenience and, and, right. and, and the best UX. Uh, so there's a trade-off there. And if you don't trust Google, then that's a problem. Um, if, if it's my, uh, I don't know, my, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, on an app that I, I wouldn't really care about. You know, if, if, if it's an app I use for uh, editing photos, well, then I don't want it to have location access and microphone access right. and you know access to my contacts yeah. list. I'm perfectly fine shutting those off. Uh, now I want to be able to give that app access to my camera. Um, now does that mean that maybe that app could then be turning the camera on when I don't expect it? Potentially, that's that's a risk. Well, some of it is you know only when the app is on and only when and some of it is all the time. Like location can be on all the time. Yeah. Well, and, and, and if you want to use the Foursquare one, you do is, have to. Do you it. trust yeah. the 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 OS owner to thoroughly enforce those permissions and to have have well structured permissions? Yeah. Well, I can so say that, that unless you give those permissions, they can't do it. Because I think that was one of the big problems with um, uh, was it was it on the the iPhone where there was a uh, an exploit where you could basically turn on the, the the microphone without ever placing a call to somebody and listen in to what they were doing where, wherever they were, and and that that was a problem at the OS level that needed to be patched. Yeah, that's that's the real risk. And as long as as you know your Apples and your Googles are doing their work and you trust them, then you can have a certain amount of confidence there. But if you think that that Apple or Google are are evil and and out to exploit that, then it's really hard to to be able to trust anything you're doing on the phone. And, and if you don't trust Google, then why do you have an Android phone in the in the first place? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I, mean, I suppose you could get a, a, maybe, a Huawei phone, but that, that opens a whole different can. Yeah, maybe you trust Apple less. Yeah, well, I, Apple supposedly is is riding riding a wave of, uh, of good goodwill and, and publicity on the privacy side because uh, they, they appear to be a little bit better locked down on some of this stuff. We'll see how that lasts. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. So I could just say from personal experience that Apple takes the location stuff very seriously. Foursquare requires location to be on all the time. Well, I mean, you don't have to have location on all the time, but it's kind of recommended because we use that for kind of passive pings, especially MarsBot. Yeah, it, it certainly reduces yeah. the, uh, the, the capability set if you don't have yeah one. yeah but there's a good reason for it and all, all, all the stuff with foursquare's technology there's always a good reason for it yeah. um okay so uh finally what was this uh, you put an article up from wthr uh your cell phone is uh talking behind your back all night long so they are taking the opposite side well they they are but they aren't um what the the headline sounds like they're directly contradicting the bbc article yeah um but if you actually go go dive into it, what they're saying is what what they're explaining is is the 
what the things that are actually going on that explain why it feels like the phone is listening to you. Right. So all the information, your location, your your browsing habits, the apps you're using, uh, you know, your your age, sex, name, and email, stuff that's being sent back to different uh, different ad trackers and then aggregated and, and being passed to third parties that helps create that profile of you uh, so that they know, oh, this is a person who would be interested in a bicycle. Let's serve them up some ads for bicycles. Right. Um, and, and so it, it, it kind of creates the illusion that, uh, that they're listening into what you're talking about, but only because you're dropping so many hints in other ways uh, that, that A, you may not realize, and B, you don't realize who those are going to. Yeah. I saw a, like an anti-location uh, uh, news report recently that came out. Uh, it was, uh, I don't know, one of those like investigative reporters being like, here is what companies do with your location. They know the places you go, and then they sell it to advertisers. And I'm going to buy some location here and look at all these people in Greenwich, Connecticut, the wealthiest town in Connecticut that are being tracked. And then they went to someone's house and rang their bell. And it was someone with a house where, you know, they could talk to them through audio, through the bell, yep. which is, first of all, that's like, sounds way creepier than the location tracking. Well, I, I, I was going to say that, that all the things that these tech companies or, or ad trackers are doing seem not so bad. Well, well let me finish the story. Doing it, but if a person did this, that makes it super creepy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that was part of their. It's point. not even questionable. It's straight up. That was stalking. part of the point. But, so, but that's not what they're doing. Right. So, so the the, um, the question is, how could it be abused well, and what? Well, hold on, hold on. I, I got to finish. I got to finish. So oh, the guy said. So he rings the doorbell. So, yeah, no, he rings the the thing, and then the guy is talking. Would you like to be on a news report about how your location is being tracked, and uh, by these tech companies? And the guy is like, Yeah, I don't see why I should care. And then <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> and then they're like, well, he should care if it was a person who was following him around. Uh, subtext like we're doing right now. Uh, <laughs> then, then, uh, then he would care. But it is, there is a difference. There is a big difference when it's just, you know, uh, going through advertisers to hopefully give you better ads. I mean, uh, they're, they're, on the other hand, you know, there could be um, some use cases on it that we wouldn't be too happy with. Yeah, I mean, I've I've gone back and forth on it in my personal life. You know, some sometimes I think, well, if it's going to tailor the ad to me so that I don't get advertising for things that I don't care about, then that's probably a better experience. Yeah, and then sometimes, uh, but then I think, well, if they know that I have this size shoe and I I you know like to wear these kinds of clothes, I'm not comfortable with them selling that information to whoever else on you know on, on the internet. That that maybe that's that's a little bit too much personal information about me. Then then I'm okay with. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we have some good... Any last thoughts on that? I think that's actually a good place to wrap it up. Uh, let's talk about what, we're going, what we have on the next few weeks. Uh, next week, uh, I will finally release my interview with the president of Liberland. Yes, I interviewed a head of state, so that will be a lot of fun. Um, a local maximum first. Yes, a local first maximum many, first. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, do, do they have a national anthem? Shoot, I didn't ask that. But I I, well, I believe they do, but I don't think. Um, let me actually do well, that. You, you you've got time before that episode airs to to work that into the. Yeah, um, actually, they do have one. I'm not going to play it on YouTube right now, but I see it on YouTube. I feel like it's going to be too much of a traditional national national anthem. Whereas I would get a famous pop singer or 
someone from SNL to do it. You, I think it you, would get you a want lot more. Something that's going to stand the test of time. Yeah, that's though. a good point. Maybe you can have like a anthem of the decade. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Although I hate how every country's anthem sounds the same. It doesn't really. Well, I'm I'm trying to in, in, imagine. I, I I said I was about to say envision, but uh, I I don't know what the audio the audible equivalent of envision is. Um, but what what would a, a, a national anthem written by Taylor Swift sound like? Yeah, that, why don't they look? <laughs> They can give it a shot. Um, they are the first, uh, you know, they have that opportunity. But I think they already squandered that opportunity. That's too bad. But hopefully they'll have many other firsts to, uh, uh, to, uh, to try out. And, of course, Taylor Swift is more than welcome. Look, it's actually, like, supposed to be the super free country. So I don't think they officially choose an anthem. So she is perfectly uh, able to come up with a unofficial anthem that could one day become official if it does stand the test of time. So maybe someone well, and, should, I mean, this oh, go would be a good way to get a publicity for some of these people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. A lot of, all of these pop stars are trying to do something more interesting than the other. And then it gets ridiculous, but actually making, uh, creating a national anthem would be an interesting one. That, that well, would get... and, and, and our national anthem here in the United States was only adopted in 1931. Oh, I didn't know so, that. So uh, I, I don't know if we didn't have one before that or or if we were just anthemless for yeah. the first, uh, you know, was it like century and a half? My Country but... tis, of thee, tis of Thee, which is just based on kind of a British drinking song. Yeah, well, so, so, so the Star Spangled Banner wasn't until 31, hmm. but. All right. Yeah, so so they they they've got they've got time if they want to uh, lock in something else. That is that is a very good point. All right, lots of fun stuff coming up on the local maximum. Remember to give us a five star review if you are getting a lot of value out of the show. Localmaxradio at gmail Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com if you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. The show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power.